I figured out the other day that it's been about four years since I've preached on Father's Day. So, happy Father's Day. Dads, you're doing a terrible job. Go home and do better. Let's pray. Now, that's not what is ever said at a Father's Day sermon, but I a lot of times think that's the way dads feel after the sermon is over. That, man, I came today and the guy beat me up again. They stomped on my toes and just told me how bad of a job I'm doing. I mean, when was the last time you heard the song, F is for the fun things we did together and A is for always being there, T is for the time that you kept your cool when I wrecked the car, and H is for every new gray hair. You don't hear that song. That's not written any place. Nobody hears that song. It's no, there's no such song, but you've heard the counterpart to that, the goes, M is for the many ways you love me, and O is for the fact that you're getting older, or something like that. I don't know, whatever that is. You know, before cell phones came around, uh, the two busiest telephone days was Mother's Day and Father's Day. And Father's Day calls were always longer because kids always called collect. If you're 40 or under, you have no idea what that means. So TV shows used to place dad in a very positive light. You'd watch shows like Ozzy and Harriet, My Three Sons, Leave It to Beaver, uh, uh, Father Knows Best, any of those old, old black and white shows. And Dad was always put in a very positive light. That, that, that patriarchal figure in the home uh, had a lot of respect. He was well thought of. He was well regarded, respected by his kids. But for some reason, Hollywood had decided and the culture has decided that through the years, we need to strip dads of that, of that place. We need to remove that patriarchal uh, authority that's there. And today, when you watch TV shows like Modern Family, and, and I love Tim Allen, but when he was doing Home Improvement, man, it, it looked like a buffoon. He was not taken very seriously. He seemed to be kind of careless and, and, and just didn't, didn't have a clue as to what was really going on. Irma Bombeck wrote that, when I was a little kid, Dad was like that light in the refrigerator. Every house had one, but no one knew what either one did when the door was shut. <laughs> now, Dads, I know you feel like the deck is stacked against you, like you don't get any respect and, and, and you get very little support, but I want you to know that God honors dads. God honors fathers, and you are critical to the home. No matter what the present culture would say, no matter that the culture would say that, that, Dad, you're not really needed, you don't really have a place, you're not important anymore, that is a lie. You are critical to the home, and I, and I want you to be honored today. I want you to lead today feeling encouraged. Yeah, it, it may get a little tense at times, but I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to be excited about being a dad, about being a grandfather, about being your great-grandfather, and the influence and impact you can have upon today's families especially your kids. I want you to consider this example. Back in the year 640 B.C., Josiah was made king of Israel. How old was Josiah? He was eight years old. Now, if you look back at his family tree, there's not very much there that would lend us to believe that he had any kind of a spiritual example. His dad was Ammon. His grandfather was Manasseh. They worshipped idols. They worshipped the god of the Asherah poles. You would see these poles stacked all over the place throughout Judea. They worshipped the god Molech, a terrible, terrible god that, that mothers would bring their newborn babies to this god and they would sacrifice their child in the fire of Molech. If the child survived, it was a blessing from the god. If not, it was a sacrifice to the god. Now you consider all of that kind of background and you think to yourself, how could, how could this young eight-year-old Josiah grow up to be anything good? How could he have any kind of a positive kingship? Dads, I, I know you may, uh, maybe your dad didn't walk with the Lord. Maybe he doesn't even today. And maybe you think you've been saddled with a heritage where, where faith wasn't considered. Is it possible today that you can break that cycle of spiritual dysfunction? Is there a way that you can turn the tide if this has not been a part of your family? 
Look at what it says in 2 Kings 22, verse 2, about Josiah. He, meaning Josiah, did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. Didn't go to the right or left. The NIV says that Josiah followed completely the ways of his father David. Now, David was not his real father. But David was seen as that, as that, that, that great spiritual leader of the nation of Israel. And he held that, that regard and that esteem for centuries, and, and men looked up to him. But what I want you to see is this. Josiah chose to break that cycle. There was a cycle that existed with his grandfather and with his father, and now it came to him. And what was he going to do? Was he going to follow in his father's footsteps and continue to worship the god of the Asherah poles as well as Molech? No, he decided not to do that. Maybe you haven't had the, the best father. Maybe you don't feel like the greatest dad there ever has been. All of us can relate to that. But you hold within yourself the ability to change things. It can be different. Maybe you've had a dad that was abusive. Maybe you've had a dad that was arrogant. Maybe, maybe your dad was condescending at times when you had discussions with him. I loved my dad. I had a great dad. And, and like Mike said, he, he was far from being perfect. But I love my father. But when we would have Bible discussions at times, uh, I, I would give him my viewpoint on something. And dad would say, well, yeah, but. Man, I hated that. I, it, it felt so condescending to me. It's like, yeah, you can go ahead and tell me what you think, but consider this. And dad only did that because he wanted to draw out more information. He wanted that discussion to continue. And we could talk about these things more. Maybe you've not walked with the Lord, but you can change things. So I challenge you this morning, will you start a healthy cycle in your home? Will you today commit to beginning that healthy spiritual cycle in your house? If you've had a legacy of love that was given to you, will you continue that cycle of love in your home? Will you keep on doing what was given and handed down to you by a loving father? If you've had a loving spiritual father, then, then seeing God as a heavenly father is not hard for you at all to do. But if not, it may be difficult. It may be a real stress for you to see God as a heavenly father if you've had no relationship or bad relationship with an earthly father. Now, I know some of you think, why in the world do, do preachers always give this real soft, uh, fluffy sermon on Mother's Day and on Father's Day they just beat up on dads? Well, that's not my goal. That's not what I want to do today. I, want you, I, I know that men respond better to a challenge, so I want you to be challenged. And I want you to feel encouraged as well. I want to talk about three healthy habits that ought to be part of a Christian dad's life, Christian dad's home, a Christian dad's thinking. And the first one is this, that you initiate the habit of affirming words in your home. Bill Glass uh, began the national prison ministry movement, and he was talking to a group of prisoners one day, and he asked the question. He said, I've got a question for you. How many of you have heard from one of your parents say time after time, one of these days, you're going to end up in prison? And Bill said, almost all of them raised their hand and said, yeah, our parents used to say that all the time. Words mean things. There, are pow there is power in words. And that's why some of you today may need to break that cycle. I mean, you can choose to tear down or you can choose to lift up by the things that you say. And your kids know which words you're more comfortable with, you naturally prefer. Proverbs 12 says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise brings healing. Guys, we've been called to speak encouraging words, words that build up, words that affirm, words that, 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 that heal, 
Not words that tear down and destroy and, and, and denigrate our kids. A little girl accused her daddy of being the meanest daddy in the whole world. And the little girl's older sister said, no, you shouldn't say that. You should say he's the meanest daddy in America, not in the whole world. Come on, get your facts straight. Parents, uh, John, Eldridge, John Eldridge would say, your son or daughter, no matter how old, will always want and need to hear these words from you. You have what it takes. You're worth fighting for. That's what your kids need to hear. They need to hear those kinds of words. Your positive comments are the things that help to shape your children's self-esteem. So, so affirm them. Dads, tell your daughters that they're the most beautiful, most talented, smartest kid that you will ever know. My daughter, she'll forget more things than I ever know. Dads, tell your sons that, that they can do anything to put their mind to. Build them up with positive comments. Catch your son doing something right, something good. I know that may be hard to do, but if you can, catch them doing something good and then brag about them in front of somebody else. I know a lot of times dads will brag about their sons when their sons are out of earshot. Make sure they can hear you say positive things about them. Jesus affirmed the children when he said, let them come to me. Use affirming words. The second habit that you need to initiate in your home is active involvement. I know that time is a precious commodity. I mean, some of you work eight, nine, ten hours a day. You may work five, six, seven days a week. And it's easy to give the children that you got your leftover time instead of that quality time. I love the story about a little girl named Becky. She worked harder on her family picture than any other person in her kindergarten class. She wanted to be just perfect. After all, that picture was going to be imprinted on a plate and then be taken home and then cherished forever by the family. So with the focus and the, and, and, and the precision of a surgeon, she carefully drew a picture of herself. She drew a picture of her mom. She drew a picture of their dog. She even drew a picture of the little baby growing inside of her mom's tummy. Uh, in, in Becky's mind, the picture was complete. Her mom, herself, the dog, the baby, and that drawing was soon etched and put on that plate, and that plate was sent home. The problem was Becky's mom was not divorced. Becky's mom was, was not a single mom. And Becky's father said, but that's how she saw our family. He said, I was working so many hours that I wasn't even in the picture. And some 25 years later, Becky and her dad have a great relationship. And they have a great relationship because that plate was a turning point in their parenting, in his parenting skills. It served as a reminder that dad needed to be intentional by being involved in the life of his kids, the life of his children. I know most parents want to be in that picture. They want to be there. But often they really don't know how to go about doing that. And Satan paralyzes you by, by saying, oh, you don't need to worry about your kids. They're going to grow up knowing God and loving God. They don't need you. They don't want you interfering in their lives. That is a lie from the pit of hell itself. Don't believe it. Your children desperately need you. They need your involvement. Your affirming words. They need your encouragement. Paul Harvey once said that a parent spells love, T-I-M-E. And you might be thinking, yeah, I, I know that's true, and I really want to spend time with my kids, but I don't know where to start. Let me suggest three settings. Mealtime, travel time, and bedtime. These are the times that you can pour yourself into the life of your kids and your family. At mealtime, ask them about how their day went. How's going with their friends? What happened at school today? 
As a matter of fact, I would urge you, if you don't do this, commit to having at least one meal time together every day. Most likely that would be supper time. But man, it's easy to get involved in events that pull us here and there and, and yonder. Commit to being together as a family at least once a day for meal time. Travel time. Use that as a time to teach your kids. Have them look outside the window of the car and say, man, look at the trees out here, how God made these, or, or, or look at this and see what God has done here. Use that as a teaching time for them. Bedtime. Use that as a time to pray with your kids. Initiate a habit in their life, in your life, that at the end of the day, the last thing you do is you go to God together in prayer. Dads, what will your kids say are the most important thing in your life? Your golf clubs? Your job? Maybe your faith? How about your house? Your boat, your hunting rifle? Would your kids say that your personal relationship with Christ is the most important thing to you? You know, sometimes we think that ministers have got it all put together, that we must have perfect families, <laughs> and that's, that's far from the truth. It is so easy to become married to the church that we forget about the time that our children and our spouse needs. And oftentimes we may be doing very well in that part of our ministry and our work, and yet we're failing at being a good husband. We're failing at being a good father to our kids because we're married to the church. You see, God is the ultimate parent, and he fleshes out for us all the different things that we're trying to do and to teach our kids. God is always available. He always makes time for us. The Bible says, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. If you need to talk to somebody, God is always willing to listen. If you need a, a, a shoulder to put your head upon, Jesus Christ is always strong enough to carry that burden. Dads, give your kids, your family, the, 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 the quality time that they need. Make certain that you're in that picture. The third habit is probably the hardest one, that's spiritual leadership. I know it's one of the most difficult ones because most of us dads think that we don't really do a very good job of being spiritual leaders. That's a hard job, and, and we all probably think that we fail. William Paul Young wrote, We knew once the creation was broken, true fathering would be much more lacking than mothering. Don't misunderstand me, both are needed. But an emphasis on fathering is necessary because of the enormity, the, the lack, the absence of it. How do you teach your kids to be spiritually strong? How can, you, how can you spiritually lead them? Well, number one is that you teach them respect. Teaching respect and learning respect has immediate and eternal consequences. If you teach your children to respect you as a parent, they will learn to respect that authority. Then they will learn to respect the authority of the world around them. And finally, they'll learn to respect the authority of God himself. So that is so very important to do so. The Bible says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. It's the right thing to do. And you need to pray at times, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Give me strength to do this because teaching my child respect is really, really tough. I remember when my two-year-old daughter, Joy, I don't think she was even two yet, she was outside playing, and Deb went outside and said, Come on, Joy, it's time to come inside and get cleaned up so we can eat. And Joy stood there, and she put her hands on her hip, and then she wiggled her finger at Mom, and she said, No! This was an invitation to do battle. And my wife gladly accepted that invitation. And the fight was on, and Debbie won, thank goodness. <laughs> Parents, your job is to teach your children to respect because respect is the heartbeat of our relationships. The second thing that we can do, dads, is to model grace for our kids. Parents, you're going to have all kinds of opportunities, 
all kinds of opportunities to show grace to your children. I've been there, I bet you have too. My dad smoked when I was younger, and uh, all of us boys, the four of us boys and my sister and mom, tried to get dad to stop smoking. And it was always worse at harvest time and at planting season. The smoking really ratcheted up. Well, dad smoked camels, the kind that had no filters on them. So I saw someplace in an ad in a magazine or on TV about something called a cigarette load. Anybody know what those things are? It's a little bitty stick about this long, and it's made of TNT or gunpowder or something. I don't know what's in it. But you put that in the cigarette, and when you light it, the thing goes like this. Well, since dad smoked uh, uh, filterless camels, I put two in each end. And he always smoked right before he went to bed. So I'm lying in bed in the next room, and I hear the cigarette pack knocking on his hand, pulls it out, puts it in his mouth, hear the lighter click open, hear the little wheel light up, and boom! It was hilarious. It was great. Just, just like the picture on TV. He looked, well, not quite like that, but we were real close to that. My dad showed amazing grace by not killing me. Because I knew he wanted to. Actually, Dad would just start out yelling the boys' names. Gary, Jay, Tim, D, and whoever was guilty, we'd just raise our hands and said, I'm it. I'm the one I did it. That's how, that, how it worked at home. That doesn't mean that we withhold discipline to our kids. The Bible says that God disciplines those that he loves, and, and we need to do that. But sometimes spiritual leadership is shown through grace rather than through force. I love what Tyler Edwards wrote. A man who believes he has to raise his voice to a woman in order to feel like a man is not one. A man who believes he has to raise his hand to another to feel like a man is not one. One of the primary differences between just being a male and being a man is our ego. Model grace. Show that to your kids. The third thing to do is to share your faith. Where does that faith come from? It can only come from your relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot lead your children to a place that you have not gone, to a place you do not exist. Only, can you, only then can you take your kids to a mature spiritual level in their life. Dads, the impact that you have on your kids, no matter how old they are, will be immeasurable when they hear you pray at mealtime or at bedtime, when they see your Bible open on the coffee table or there by the bedstand and where you have marked in and underlined and written notes. That will, that will just impress them in so many ways. Share your faith with them. Number four, protect your family. One of the most important jobs you have is to protect your kids. And I don't just mean from, uh, from crime and those things, but to protect them spiritually. Protect them from the outside forces. And you can't do this by yourself. It requires the intervention of God as well. Take your kids to a window of the house and have them look outside and say, Kids, look out there. Out there the world can be a rough, mean, cruel, heartless place. But I want you to know inside these four walls, this is a safe place for all of us. And you're safe here. And if you're a single parent here today, if you're a single mom, remember what the, the Bible says in Psalm 68. There it describes God as a father to the fatherless. God can make up that difference, and sometimes God will bring alongside a, a, a man to step into that role, to step into the void, to be that example to your kids if there's not a father in the home. When it comes to being a protector to our family, we realize that God is a protector, and love protects what it loves. I want to wrap up this morning by looking at a passage in the third chapter of Matthew. In that passage, we see that Jesus has come to the Jordan River from Galilee to be baptized by John the Baptist. And Matthew picks up the story, and he records this. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. 
Men, this is a perfect picture of fatherhood. The perfect picture. What God the Father is passing on to his son is the very same thing that we as, as, as human fathers, earthly fathers, need to pass on to our children. God communicated three things here. The first thing he said is, this is my son. He's communicating this. This one is mine. Jesus belongs to me. I'm responsible for him. You touch him, you touch me as well. Dads, that's what we need to communicate to our kids as well. This is my son. This is my daughter. I love them. You touch them, you touch me. The second thing that God communicated was this. This one I love. Man, imagine the voice of God breaking through the clouds so that everyone could hear and, and putting a stamp of approval upon Jesus by saying, this is my son whom I love. The son has accepted my love. God doesn't love you for, for what you are. God loves you for who you are, especially if, you're, if you belong to him. There are a lot of dads that love their kids, but their kids will not accept that love. And you can tell that's true because their kids won't obey them and, and won't respect them, and especially when dads are trying to, to help them learn and to grow as they should. It's a two-way street. God is saying, this one I love, and this one loves me. He loves me back. He submits to my will. And the third thing that God communicates is this. God said, this one I'm proud of. He brings me great joy. In other words, God's saying, I'm pleased with the way that my son has turned out, the way he's making wise, God-honoring decisions. When Jesus was baptized, our Heavenly Father gave us three things that we need to pass along to our kids. Belonging, love, and pride. That's my boy. That's my daughter. That's how a father passes along and, and helps identify his, his love to a son or daughter. Dads, do you realize that you carry the same title as God? Carry the same title. Father. You are a father. He is the heavenly father, and you are an earthly father. You're loved by the heavenly father, and he allows us to be called fathers too. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? We talk to our heavenly father. And our children can talk to their earthly father. What a great thing to know. I read once the definition of a dad was a man who has pictures of his children in his wallet where his money used to be. I know some guys like that. Dads, I want you to be honored today. Uh, would you stand up, please? I, I know we've done this in the service. If we, dads, grandpas, uh, would, you, would you stand up, please? We are blessed with lots of godly men in the church. We really are. And they've been entrusted with a lot because of the fact that God had blessed them with children. So no matter where you're standing, dads, if you're, if you're standing and, and your kids are next to you, your spouse is next to you, uh, just a friend of the family is next to you, I want you to take their hand right now, right where they're standing, and take, take the hand of that dad, that grandfather. Then we're going to pray for you. God in heaven, I lift up to you today these men who are standing in this room. I know that we live in a time and in a culture where, um, where being a father is denigrated. And we're being told that dads aren't necessary, that the whole patriarchal design is flawed. Yet, Father, it's a design that came from you, and you've initiated it perfectly because we can look to you as the perfect heavenly father. God, I lift these men up to you today. Many have gone through the years of parenting and, and now they're enjoying the time with, with grandchildren or great-grandchildren. 
Others are dads who are, <laughs> are going from the ages of elementary all the way up through high school and are still doing these things and, and struggling. Father, I lift them up to you and pray that you give them wisdom beyond their years, strength beyond their ability, patience beyond what they have, Father, discernment beyond what, what may come to them. Father, bless them with these things so that they would have a home that would honor you, they would be respected as a father, and most of all, Father, that they would raise up children that would look to you wanting to know who you are as God and Savior. Father God, I thank you for these men. May they be blessed by you today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The other thing that makes the difference is whether or not you as a father know the Heavenly Father. What a blessing it is to be able to have that example. But if that example is one that you've not followed, then this morning you can choose to change that cycle. You can initiate a spiritual cycle in your home today. But it begins by you submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your own life. If you've never done that, you can be a successful parent. But it won't turn out the way that it needs to be. You are a successful parent if you've raised your children to know who Jesus is. That's the greatest thing that you can do. So this morning, if you have not made that confession of faith, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this morning you have an opportunity to, to start that cycle in your home. If you need to come and, and uh, confess Jesus as the Lord, be baptized into him, uh, Tyson's ready, I'm ready, we, we can take that confession here this morning. Uh, maybe you need somebody to pray with you about something, um, and we can do that as well. Would you stand? And we'll sing a hymn of invitation.